Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. How are you? Welcome to The Ralph Report, a brand new show for a Wednesday. It is September 18th, so happy to have you joining us today. Sitting here with me in the Batcave is the vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. And I, of course... I'm your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Great show for you today. Because on the counter, you want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because it's Wednesday. And here uh, on the Ralph Report on Wednesdays, we uh, we do a thing where we're... Um, one-hit wonder. You're goddamn right! It's one-hit wonder Wednesday. <laughs> launching into our new subcategory of uh, folks whose music, music isn't their main career. Yeah. It was a little side project. And yet they stumbled into a hit anyway. Crazy. We'll talk all about that. Also, Steve Ashton will be stopping by with another UK update. We've got all the usual nonsense for you. A lot of good stuff coming up. But before we get to any of it, you know, we have a lot of listeners down there in Australia. And I wanted to reach out to them after this uh, terrible tragedy that happened down there and just say a few words. I don't know if you read about it or not, but it was in uh, Gippsland, Victoria in Australia. Yeah. I think it's Gippsland. Gippsland. Could be Gippsland. I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, there was a huge fire at a cattle breeding facility mm. in Australia, which caused thousands of dollars in damage. But that wasn't the worst part. No. It took 10 fire crews more than two hours to fully extinguish the fire after it broke out at 3 a.m. local time. The problem they had was the cylinders holding the bull semen oh, no. inside the facility. Oh. Now, here's what happened. The, uh, let's, let's, let's listen to a county fire authority Gippsland Commander Chris Lowenschenklo. Sure, I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> Lowenschenklo. That's it. Lowenschenklo. Okay. Anyway, he said the problem was yeah. the uh, semen uh-huh. inside the cylinders uh-huh. that they stored in started to uh, rapidly expand and boil in- oh. inside the uh, the cylinders, the containers. Okay. And then the lids oh, no. were just popping off. Oh, no. And flying through the building like bullets. They're like projectiles. So the bull semen was exploding. And the caps from the semen jars were uh, firing at the firefighters while they're trying to put out the fire. So firefighters went into a defensive mode, said the uh, commander, initially to protect themselves because uh, uh, these cylinders were exploding (laughs) and... uh, Jizz was flying everywhere and metal caps from the containers also firing at them at a rapid velocity. It's like that scene from Superman 3 when they're in the factory and like the, the liquid's getting heated up and it turns red and it's, it's acid and it's going to melt through the factory. Oh, right, and the yes, floor and yes. Superman has to come in and cool it all down. Right, That's what, they needed Superman is what they That's needed. What they, they did a magnificent job, he said, but it was very difficult because of the... Uh, the caps from the bull semen cylinders that were flying at their Yeah, there's a lot of bull semen everywhere. Ah, it's a bad day at the job. 
It's bad enough you've got a giant fire you're trying to put out, but then you're dodging bull semen caps. Well, you think all that semen would put the fire out. No, it was it was, in, it was cased in metal cylinders. But even so it's, it just it's, got hotter it's and hotter splashing and hotter. out, though. Wouldn't that put the fire out when it erupts? I don't know. I just felt bad for those firemen. Imagine you, you go into the building, raging flames everywhere. Just, oh, God. Bull semen. Look out. Look out. Got semen caps. Crikey. Boomerangs. Koalas. Look out! Look out, Bruce! Time to kangaroo down, mate! Didgeridoo! Oh. Yeah, that'd be bad. What's really gonna be bad is someone's gonna have to go jerk off all those bulls again. I, they Well, they lost a lot of money because apparently some of the bull semen is very valuable, depending <laughs> on the bull. And now they gotta go back and do it all over again. <laughs> I, I think they have a, uh, I think they got a machine for Oh, that. they do? Because yeah. I'll volunteer. Okay, fair enough. So everyone down there in Gippsland, <laughs> Victoria, Australia, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you on the catastrophic loss of bull semen oh. and the danger that was faced by your firemen. So, God bless you. All right, let's turn to you guys, the Garmy. We love you guys. We love it when you reach out to us, either via email or social media, but especially when you do it on the Ralph Report hotline. You can leave a voicemail 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I listen to all of them. You know the phone number by now, one 833 Hi, Love to hear from you. Here's a collection of some of the phone calls I listened to today that I particularly liked. It's a segment called Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ross gonna play your calls now. And see what's on your mind. Yesterday, we were talking about the television program Mission Impossible. That yeah. was uh, yesterday's TV Tune Tuesday. Yeah. And I mentioned that the first season had a different leader of that TV series. Usually it was Peter Graves. He played Jim Phelps. Yes. Who was a leader of the IMF or Impossible Mission Force, as they were known. But the first season was an actor named Stephen Hill who was the leader. And I mentioned that he quit because they expected him to work late on Fridays and right. past sundown, uh -huh. he was being a uh, an Orthodox Jew. He could not work on the Sabbath, yes, which is the uh, the religious day of rest for the Jews, where they're not allowed to work. Okay, that's what I said. <laughs> Eddie seemed to have think there was some sort of loophole. I thought there God was. gave Jews a loophole on the day that you're not supposed to work. Apparently, you could work," said Eddie. He was a, um, a, a, a Orthodox Jew, and they wanted him to work on Friday nights. They would run late sometimes right. on production to fr on Friday nights, and he couldn't work after sundown on the Sabbath. He refused wow. to. So he he chose his uh, beliefs over the paycheck, I and he quit the show. Orthodox Judaism, if it involved business, that they could go for forego working on the Sabbath, not working on the Sabbath. One more time. <laughs> I forgot. I if, if it involved business, <laughs> right? That, they, that Orthodox Jewish people could forego not working on the Sabbath. They could work on the Sabbath. Well, you no. Know, the whole point is not to work on the Sabbath. I know, but I thought I thought if it involved their actual business, their livelihood, then they were able to do that. <laughs> if a job involved business, right. Eddie thought, then they could actually work well, on the more Sabbath. Like guidelines, really. That was the uh, the the Jew loophole, That's right. as I think Jesus Most religions have loopholes. called it. Uh, anyway, Ari called in to, to set my man straight. Okay. Hey, Ralph and Eddie. This is Ari, three-star general from Philadelphia, member of the Jewish Corps of the Garmin. Ah, the Jew Corps. And, uh, Eddie, 
much like John Goodman in The Big Lebowski, uh, yeah, we don't roll on Shabbos. You can't work on Friday night or Saturday. So uh, just thought I'd call him with that. Shomer fucking Shabbos. Right. LMB. Shomer Shabbos. Don't you remember that from Big Lebowski? I do. Shomer Shabbos, Donnie. Shomer. I, don't ro- element, I don't Donnie. roll on Shabbos. You're out of your element. Saturday, Donnie, is Shabbos, the Jewish day of rest. That means I don't work. I don't drive a car. I don't fucking ride in a car. I don't handle money. I don't turn on the oven. And I sure as shit don't fucking roll. Sheesh. Shomer Shabbos. Shomer Shabbos. <laughs> but if your job has something to do with business, then well, apparently like you're allowed to dire, work. Like your like your life. All right, I'll, I'll stop. Wait a minute. I won't die on this hill. It's wait a minute. If your life's in danger, like, if you don't work, well, is that what you're saying? Well, what if you? That's the only way you can make money to support your family. Well, you work Sunday through Friday. Okay, well, all right. Fine. My God, I show me Shabbos. Show me. Shabbos. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand religion in any form. uh, Houston from Memphis called in, which is already very confusing. But (laughs) Houston from Memphis has has an idea for the live show on Saturday. Don't forget, get your tickets. There's only a couple remaining uh, this Saturday at the Improv on Melrose here in Los Angeles. The live Ralph Report, the latest edition of that show. We have a really good time. You may want to be there. Yeah. Go to improv.com, click on the Hollywood location, then you can get your tickets from there. Anyway, uh, Houston from Memphis, again, very confusing, <laughs> has a an idea of the uh, the content for the show on Saturday. Hey, Ralph. It's Houston from uh, Nashville. Oh, Nashville. And uh, I was Memphis. having a thought, um, isn't every time you do a live Ralph report, it gets uploaded for Monday? Right. So if you're doing it for Monday, shouldn't you do a holiday, a holiday? And shouldn't that mean that uh, Cooperman should be able to do his theme live as well? No. Um, just a thought. No. You know, I love you and Eddie most of the time. Keep up the good work, fuckers. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Houston from Nashville. Um, no, it's not a good idea. And here's why. The reason we moved it, the reason we only do holiday or holiday on Mondays is because it keeps us from repeating holidays we've already commented on. Now, if we're doing a show on Saturday for the Saturday audience, if we were to do holiday or holiday for that Saturday, we would be repeating holidays that we covered last year on Friday. Yes. And if we do an entire show based on stuff yet to come on Monday, first of all, I got to see into the future and see what the news is going <laughs> to be make on a bunch Monday. Of shit up. And people in the theater will be like, what the fuck is this all about? It's Saturday and we're sitting here and we paid good money to see a show. <laughs> so I understand what you're saying, but no, we're going to go with the uh, Saturday lineup, which is this day in history for the 21st and then all the stuff that that entails. Cooperman will be on hand. And he, don't get me wrong, we love him. Yes. But uh, we got Mike Serper coming up to, to do his live. And he'll beatbox in the lobby for you if you ask. Yeah. Him. Oh, sure. Uh, Cooper will be there for the meet and greet. <laughs> Just randomly <laughs> standing the by the bar. So you'll be able to identify <laughs> him. Cindy also called in. She has discovered a brand new app on her phone called Cameo. Hey, Ralph and Eddie. This is Cindy, three-star general from Tacoma. Uh, so my husband just found this thing today called Cameo.com where you can pay celebrities to do uh, personalized 
messages to people. And, and we got to tell you, we're really, really tempted to pay the 150 bucks to get John Lovitz to call and leave a message on the, the Ralph Report hotline, <laughs> mm-hmm. apologizing for being such a dickhead to you and Kevin all those years ago. <laughs> right. However, we really don't want to give John Lovitz any money. Good point. So sorry, no apology yet. Holding out for you though, babe. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah. Um, first of all, I don't think there's enough money you could give John Lovitz to make him apologize for what he did to me and Kevin Smith because he doesn't think he did anything wrong. No. That's the problem. For those who don't know the story, Kevin Smith and I used to do Hollywood Babylon at a comedy club called the John Lovitz Comedy Club up near Universal <laughs> Studios. That's where we met. City Walk. That's right. Uh, Eddie Pence also trod those uh, yeah. same boards and did his comedy stylings up there as well. Um. Here's the thing. It was John Lovett's club, and he thought it was a million-dollar uh, money-making idea. He was going to own a comedy club, and it was just going to be rolling in cash. And the problem was the location, there was no traffic that walked by no. that place to come in. Except for families going to Universal right. City. And they didn't want to see our nonsense yeah. or comedy in general. So the, the club struggled. And the only uh, show they had there that brought anybody in was Hollywood Babylon. Yeah. And so we worked out a deal with him to, I think we were getting at the time, uh, 90% of the gate, um, which was a ridiculously good deal for us. But as I said, it was the only thing that was keeping those doors open because people would come in to see our show and then buy food and drinks and stuff. And they would make yeah. their nut every week based on most comedy clubs make their money off food and drink, right? Not the exactly. Tickets, it's anyway. the concessions. Yeah. It's not the entertainment. So there was one point towards the end of the life of the club where months went by and we weren't being paid our percentage of the ticket sales. Literally months, four or five months went by. And I finally went to John Lovitz and I said, you have to pay us what you owe us. You owe us a lot of money. And he said, well, the club's not doing so well. And uh, if I pay you, it'll have to be in my own pocket. And I was like, it's called the John Lovitz Comedy Club. <laughs> if you make a profit, the profit goes in your pocket. If the sh- if the operation is running in the red, then I'm sorry, you have to reach into your pocket yeah. and you got to pay your bills. Yeah. And he got incensed with us. Oh. And we had to fight to get the money, and then we f- went back to him and said, "You know what? So this never happens again. What would li- what we'd like to do is we would like to control the ticketing." We would like to not have to wait for a check for you. We'll yeah. pay you out a percentage after we control the ticket. Right. And he said, uh, I have another idea. We're going to renegotiate your deal to make it 50-50. So Oof. you get 50% of the door. New. And so uh, we finally said, uh, wow, go fuck yourself so much. Yeah. And it got ugly. And he was saying some things about us in the press. And we were very vocal about not liking him. So it was it, we did not part on good terms. I don't think John Lovitz is ever going to apologize for no. what he said. And who would pay him $150 for anything? I know. Speaking of Cameo, I'm on Cameo. If you would like to get a personal video message from Ralph Garman, you can find yes, me on Cameo.com uh, as well. I'm not charging Lovitz rates. 150 bucks. My God. Who does he think he is? That's nuts. Acting. Thank you. Pay me $150. You should undercut him and do 120 as I John Lovitz. I should, yes. I'll just, I will pretend to be Lovitz <laughs> for 30 bucks less. Cindy, thanks so much for calling. Thanks to everybody who called in. We love hearing from you. You too can be featured on Garmy on the Line, but you got to take that first step. You got to pick up your phone. You got to call me. Call me.
Now it's time to take a look in the rearview mirror and find out what happened on September 18th on this day in history. Ralph's about to solve another mystery. mystery. Like it's today the day some dude invented Listerine. Or maybe a tyrant king married his sister, sister queen. Who knows, every day seems to be an anniversary. The Garmy's rubbing Ralph's lamp, so grant our wishes, please. And tell us what went down this day in history. I think we have to do that for server. Yeah. We've got to give him a little shout well, out in the background. I think so. On this day in 96... 96? That's right. 96, 96? The year 96. Oh. Nerva was proclaimed Roman emperor after Domitian was assassinated. Oh. Yeah. I wonder if Nerva had anything to do with it. Ah, uh, what do you think? There was a time in human history where the only time power changed hands <laughs> was through death. Yes. It is kind of remarkable that we live in a day and age, thank the Lord, where the majority of rulers, corrupt or otherwise, are decided through some sort of election. Yeah. Doesn't really. No one has to be murdered there anymore. Be an assassination for, coup for someone to have to move up in the operation. Crazy. So that's good news. In 1437, the peasant uprising of Transylvania happened. Oh, right. Was Frankenstein involved? I'm sure there were pitchforks and torches. <laughs> Fire. Was that in Transylvania? Yeah, wasn't it? Did I it thought, all? I thought Dracula was in Transylvania. It was. I thought it all took place was in Frankenstein Transylvania. There too? I thought it all took place in Transylvania. I don't know. I'm, I probably was. The peasants are revolting. They certainly are. Uh, <laughs> in 1502, Christopher Columbus landed at Costa Rica on his fourth and last exploratory voyage. The party bus. Party bus to Costa Rica. <laughs> I'm sure he fucked up the indigenous people. Oh, yeah. There as well. Sure. In 1793, President George Washington lay the cornerstone of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. 1793. Wow. Mm. That is a beautiful building, too. Yes. My father my father is painted inside the Capitol building. Your father is painted my, inside of this it? This is... Uh, my father was a Capitol Police officer for his whole career. Oh, I thought maybe they hired him to paint no, the inside of the Capitol building. his face is on the ceiling. Wow. He was... He, what a feeling. He guarded... His face is on the ceiling. His face is on the ceiling. He guarded uh, Congressman Gephardt and sat and, went, and was stationed outside of his office, and they were painting a surrender scene from uh, some battle in the Revolutionary War, and they needed a face for the British general that was being... That was surrendering... And they didn't, and the artist just used my dad who was sitting there, and his face is on That's the ceiling nuts. of the Capitol building. I love that story. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Your dad is a British general in, in the Capitol yeah, building. That's, on the ceiling. That's pretty, it's pretty cool. cool. Next time you're in D.C., go to the Capitol building, take the tour, and then impress some tourists with that it's, little information. It's by the office of the Congressional Whip's office. It's a Congressional Whip's office hallway. There you yeah. go. If you ever take a tour. All right. <laughs> that's the more you know, right? That there. is the more you know. On this day in 1837, Charles Lewis Tiffany and his partner John B. Young co-founded a little stationery and fancy goods emporium in New York City. Later, they renamed it Tiffany and Company, and the oh, rest is history. Lost a lot of money to them. You did? Well, I, I, Have you bought a lot of jewelry there? Yeah, well, well, not a lot, but a little bit's a lot to me. Making it rain over at Tiffany's. What a bracelet there for somebody. Uh, somebody not well, your wife, wife. i was gonna wife. say it better be your wife. wife for that kind of coin <laughs> this is my wife better be somebody that investment. you see uh 1851 the new york times started publishing very first issue of the new york times on this day in 1851 the failing new york times failing so bad <laughs> fake news <laughs> not what it was not a good paper out of business <laughs> it was only two cents a copy back in 1851 wow. 
And we're 15 cents a day here on the Ralph Report. Yeah. They were two cents a day in 1851. Come on. That's a goddamn bargain, this I think. This is way more entertaining than that That's newspaper. what I'm saying. Failing New York Times losers. <laughs> in uh, 1891, Harriet Maxwell Converse was the first white woman to ever become an Indian chief. What? Yes, isn't that a crazy story? Here's another one of my million-dollar ideas, Eddie. Somebody make this movie. Oh, my God. She was an American author of Scottish and Irish heritage, but she fell in love with the ways of the Iroquois Indian. So she became a folklorist, poet, and historian of those peoples in the late uh, 19th century, so late 1800s. And there at the time was a loose confederacy between the six nations of uh, Native Americans in New York State and Canada, and she became an advocate for the rights on the side of the Seneca and Iroquois tribes in New York State, helping them retain their lands and preserve their culture. So at the end of her work with them, the Seneca made her a member of that tribe. And then the, the Six Nations got together and made her the, the chief of the Six Nations oh of American Indians. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Is there anyone whiter than an Indian and a Scottish person together? I mean, being a Scottish and Irish person? Scottish Irish? No, I mean, that's, there's nobody whiter that's than that. super white to be. I know. And she was the, the chief. chief of an Indian tribe. That's pretty cool. In 1895, Daniel David Palmer of Davenport, Iowa, gave the very first chiropractic adjustment. Oh, I bet that was frightening. He was the first chiropractor. <laughs> I love chiropractors. I do, I too. We've talked about it before, how much uh, how much uh, relief they have given me oh, over the me years. Me, too. But yeah. I can't imagine being the first guy. <laughs> like, yeah, crack my neck. Here's what he says. Now, lay down, and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make you feel better. But you know your spine, right? Yeah. I'm going to move it around, and I'm going to push it back into place because you got stuff that's out of place there. So you're going to hear a lot of cracking of your bones. It's like bones breaking. When I get on top oh. of you and push down really hard. But trust me, it's a good thing. <laughs> Just relax. When you hear your bones <laughs> popping, it's a good thing. How does that happen? I don't know how they got that off the ground. Well, thank God they did. I know. In 1927, the Columbia Broadcasting System went on the air for the first time with 18 stations around these United States. CBS. CBS Radio was born in 1927. In 1932, actress Peg Entwistle became famous in Hollywood, but not the way she wanted to. She became famous because she was the first person to commit suicide by jumping from the letter H in the Hollywood really? sign. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It was a big deal back in the day. Wow. Yeah, you can't even get to it now. Right. Damn it. Damn How am I supposed to jump off the, the H? I thought about it. Um, sometimes they, uh, I think yearly, they still have um, events where they gather in her name and show the one film that she made in Hollywood. Really? And then they raise money for uh, suicide prevention. That's, that's a good thing. That's pretty cool. In 1942, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation began radio broadcasting up there in Canada, the CBC. CBC. Yeah. 1945, 1,000 white students walked out of Gary, Indiana schools to protest integration. Mm. Son of a bitch. Wow. What possesses a person to think if someone who has been prejudiced against is gaining equality with me, somehow that that they're taking something away yeah. from me. They're not getting more than you. They're you getting lose. what you have. You don't lose a thing. Just go to school. And the and, and not have the fourth the fourth side to go, okay, I'm on the wrong side of history right well, here. Well that's that takes a little vision. I think sometimes you need a perspective that most humans in the heat of of whatever's happening don't have to be yeah. able to say how what what am I, how are people going to consider my actions 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. But even in the moment, 
if a black kid gets to go to school, how is that bad? How, why is that a bad thing for you? How are you losing out? Unless you just don't want to be near black kids, which is a whole nother that, issue. That seems to be the whole the reason they walked out. Yeah. In 1947, the Central Intelligence Agency officially came into existence, established by Harry Truman. CIA. Yeah. Are you just going to say what the gonna, initials of everything do. that that's I said? my say? job today. In 1951, <laughs> the film A Streetcar Named Desire, directed by Ilya Kazan, based on the Tennessee Williams play from uh, 1947, starring Marlon Brando and Vivian Lee, was released in theaters everywhere on this day. And uh, the name Stella will never be the same again. I think that's why people stopped calling people Stella. I think so. Because you just don't want to hear that all the time. Because you can't call anyone that without saying it that way. In 1958, the Bank of America mailed out 60,000 of what they were calling their Bank America cards. It was the first credit card ever in the oh, United States. Really? Boy, did That's that ruined a lot of people. Did that fucking let the genie out oh of the my bottle? God. There was a time, boys and girls, before 1958 in America, you could only buy what you could actually afford. You'd have to take money and give it to someone for goods and services. Hmm. And then in 1958, just the fucking dam broke. Banks oh. were like, <laughs> you know, this it's a such idea. a fucking scam because people were saying, you know, we're not selling enough. It's like, well, people don't have all that much money. Well, here's what we do. We'll sell them stuff with when they don't have money. Yeah. And then they'll just have to pay more on the other end. Yeah, we'll of throw it. some interest on it. So when they and have the to banks pay it were back, like, banks were like, yeah, this is a great idea. We can all make money this way. We can way. all make money. The people who sell stuff can make money. The bank can make money. The only people who lose are the consumer. the consumers. Yep. Genius. <laughs> on this day in 1964, I mentioned we're in September now, so you're going to get a lot of premiere dates for a lot of classic TV shows. In 1964, John Aston, Carolyn Jones, Ted Cassidy, and Jackie Coogan made up that spooky ooky family over there on abc the adams family i bet kids who haven't even seen that show once know that theme song that's how my my kid learned the days of the week in preschool it was monday and there's tuesday wednesday and uh, thursday clever. and that's how he knew that tune before he'd heard the actual adams family song. that's very clever in next, 1965, the very next year, TV comedy created by Mel Brooks hit the airwaves. It was about a, a secret agent. It was a spoof of the James Bond franchise. A secret agent who didn't quite have his shit together, known as Maxwell Smart. Get smart. Would you believe there's 10,000 Marines outside waiting to arrest you? <laughs> I find that hard to believe, Mr. Smart. Would you believe a hundred Marines? <laughs> no, I would not. Uh, two Girl Scouts and a St. Bernard. Love that show. <laughs> Missed it by that Missed much. it by that much. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chief. In 1965, that same year, on a competing network over there on NBC. Actually, I think it was the same network. Uh, the show makes me furious. I dream a genie hit the airwaves, <laughs> smoking hot blonde genie, willing to do whatever you want. And Larry Hagman's like, oh, just hide. Dumbass. <laughs> In 1977, the U.S. Voyager 1 took the first ever space photograph of the Earth and the Moon together. When, when you think that? about that. When year was that? 1977. Really? Yeah. Wow. We had no photographic evidence, or no photograph rather, of the, the Moon and the Earth in the same photograph. 
Because pictures of the moon right. had always, always been taken earth. from the earth, and or pictures of the earth the had moon. been taken from the moon. Wow. So they were never in the same photo together. I was alive. You were alive That's when we crazy. had the first space photograph of the earth and the That's moon. That's nuts. It is nuts. You know what else is nuts? In 1978, all four KISS members released solo albums at the same time. <laughs> oh, Do you remember this phenomenon? No. It was, oh, it was the perfect uh, rock and roll logic. Instead of making one mediocre album, <laughs> why don't we make four, four really shitty, shitty albums, albums and release them all at the same time? <laughs> it was such a money grab. Because they knew KISS fans would buy all four. Right. And each one had a bold picture of one of the members of the band. But they oh. released them all at the same time. Oh. So it was like, it was oh. it was just the worst. Terrible. But the good news is because of those solo <laughs> albums, we did get to get Gene Simmons' version of When You Wish Upon a Star no. from Pinocchio. Oh. Gene Simmons from his solo album, oh, singing When You Wish Upon a Star. My God. Now you know why you don't hear him singing a lot in oh, Kiss songs. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's painful. Oh. It struck me as I listened to that. I said, you know what? You know who I think could do an even <laughs> better job with When You Wish Upon a Star Ooh, than Gene Simmons? Who could do a better I bet Eddie Pence <laughs> could do even a better version of that song. So oh. I think it may be time for oh. Eddie Oki. Oh. It's time for Eddie Oki. Eddie Oki. Eddie Oki. There's the great oh, John Cooper, is, man. Yeah. Send in a little jingle. So here I have the lyric sheet, Eddie. Oh, Jesus. This is uh, this is when you wish upon a star from Pinocchio. I haven't, classic. Warmed, I haven't warmed up. No, no. This, okay. As always, just we just you know. we spring it on you. I've got the karaoke bed right oh, here. You don't do it acapella. No, 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 no. There's a little bit of a uh, an intro, and then you go right into it. The first two verses of when you wish upon a star. I'm thinking Eddie Pence will do this better than Gene Simmons did on his solo album. Probably about the same. Let's find out. Here we go. A little intro. Pretty. Here we go. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. If your heart is in your dream, no request is too extreme. When you wish upon a star, as dreamers do. You're a bold man. I am. I like, <laughs> whatever with the 
the tempo of the song. Oh, God, I got rhythm. my own. I got my own time. I'm an artist. I interpret those lyrics. <laughs> That's what I do. There it goes. A little little yeah, Eddie. Yoke. That was really good. We haven't done that in a no, while. That was there's fun. a reason for it too. Uh, carrying on with this day in history Woo. on September 18th in 1983, more Kiss history. Ugh. Kiss showed up for the first time ever unmasked on television. No makeup. Really? Remember when they went through that phase? I do remember that phase. It happened on MTV, and MTV treated it like it was the moon landing. <laughs> I remember they 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 hyped that thing for weeks. Coming up, we're going to have Kiss live on television without their makeup. Kiss unmasked. And J.J. Jackson got out there, and boy, did he make a presentation about it. <laughs> This is a really big moment. After 10 years together, exclusively here on MTV this evening, we're going to see Kiss without their makeup for the very first time. Wow. But didn't people just see them in normal day, everyday life without No, them? when they went out, they would wear they were ban always bandanas in... and masks and really? stuff. Yeah, they, they would never let their God, faces be seen. I like them even less It was now. like a whole shtick. Oh. I remember Gene Simmons was dating Cher for a while. And anytime they went out in public, he wore a bandana. You would just see his eyes because he would cover God, his face. so stupid. Yeah, it was ridiculously dumb. And their careers went right in the toilet when they did that. They had to put the makeup back on <laughs> Good. to make a buck they after suck. the fact. It was Sorry. Great. Oh, you're going to hear from the Kiss I know. Army. I'm not a Kiss person. Now you're in trouble. In 1997, Ted Turner gave $1 billion to the United Nations, creating the public charity, the United Nations Foundation. One billion dollars. That's some philanthropy right there. Yeah, it is. That's not a bad donation. Wow. In 2014, Scotland voted to stay a member of the United Kingdom in an independence referendum. I know a lot of Scots were cheesed off that that vote did not happen. Yeah. A lot of them wanted independence, but the majority said, no, independence, no for us. <laughs> we'll stay here. We like it. We like being part of the UK. And they were. All right, you know, I keep the food-related days in history for the end because it's always interesting to hear whether Eddie Pence will eat something or not. Yes. It's been a hit or miss lately. We were on a big run there for about nine days, and now it's just he doesn't eat guacamole, he doesn't <laughs> eat clam chowder. He's just his usual... I ate the bread bowl that the clam chowder comes cranky in. little boy self. Let's find out today. You know what I do? I talk about the food, then we pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. If three of the items come up on the reels, that is a big payout. Much celebration. It means Eddie will eat the item However, if anything else comes up, well, you know what to say. <laughs> On this day in 1927, uh -huh. Al Lappin Jr. was born. Yeah. Al Lappin Jr., well, he's a goddamn national hero is what he is. Because in 1958, he founded a little restaurant not too far from here, right around the corner in Toluca Lake, California. It was called... The International House of Pancakes. Really? Is that close to here? IHOP. The first IHOP was created in 1958 huh. in Toluca Lake, California. IHOP now has nearly 1,800 restaurants globally, including the United States, United Arab Emirates, the Philippines, and Kuwait, mm -hmm. amongst other locations. The IHOP did about as much to popularize pancakes as anyone ever had. Now, we know already Eddie Pence eats French toast like a fucking animal with his hands. I eat it like toast. We know he eats waffles like that too. But I don't think we've covered the pancake. Is a big stack of pancakes smothered in butter and hot maple syrup something Eddie Pence would like to dig into on a Sunday morning? If not, he's a goddamn communist. That's what I say. But there's only one way to find out. We got to pull the handle of the slot machine and find out whether he eats that or not. We'll see. Here we go. 
We got one pancake, two pancakes, three pancakes, and it's time to eat pancakes. <laughs> Thanks, the Lord. Oh, eating pancakes. I, I don't think I've ever heard you mention pancakes, yay or nay. So I, I wrestled with it. I wrestled with it. You wrestled I with pancakes? Well, I don't love pancakes. Oh, but boy. I've eaten pancakes, and I don't have I don't like syrup. We've been down that road. Yeah, I know. But I'll eat pancakes with butter if that's what's there. And then if will you, you pick them up with your hands? I'll roll it. Eat You'll it like roll a, it. Eat it like a tube. Pancakes. <laughs> 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 not the first tube you've had in your mouth. I guarantee. Stop guarantee. Yeah. I'll roll. I'll put butter in it and roll it and eat it. Oh my god. Chocolate chip pancake. I'm all over. What kind of fucking that's animal dope. are you? <laughs> <laughs> roll up pancakes with butter in the center. You just put a little dab it. of butter and roll it, and then you eat it. You just like grab God, it. It's like like a Cro-Magnon. It's like breakfast on the go. But you're not going anywhere. You're sitting at a table. I'm always on the go. You're always on the go. <laughs> Dear Lord. Well, I, look, I guess. I would eat it with my hand. I would eat it with a fork, but I would eat it with my hand. <laughs> well, I guess... I guess that's you a win. It. You roll it. It's a win. Eddie Pence eats pancakes. I said yes. And that's what we found out on this day in history. <laughs> I pity the fool who ain't been schooled by Ralph recently. He's dropping college level knowledge with such accuracy. It got my head spinning faster than a drunk Eddie. And I'm rocking the back and track with a rap like a bad celebrity. I hope Cooperman loves my beats because that rhymes with LMB. And that's a wrap for the Ralph Report today in history. Hey there, it's Ralph Garman here. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, why not subscribe to The Ralph Report so you can hear it every day, Monday through Friday. For just 15 cents a day, you can be a one-star general supporter, and that will get you the show in your ear holes Monday through Friday. Of course, there are two, three, and four-star general levels as well, which gets you more bonus content and more access to me. So if you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash The Ralph Report. Subscribe today so you don't miss a thing. All righty, now it's time for all the entertainment news in a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. Ah, this made me sad. We were all so encouraged when Alex Trebek had mentioned that uh, his chemotherapy had done wonders for his battle with pancreatic... Pac pancreatic... What? Pancreatic cancer. Um, he was doing really well, and that's a deadly uh, form yeah. of cancer. And he was diagnosed with stage four at the time. Came back in a big way, uh, stopped the chemo, started working with the immunotherapy. And apparently that therapy did not work at all. Mm. And as Alex said, his numbers went south in terms oh, of man. the uh, presence of cancer cells. Dramatically and quickly, he said. So doctors are putting him back in for another round of chemo. He says uh, he's keeping his positive outlook. He said the chemo worked very well the first time, so we're expecting good results again. But unfortunately, Alex Trebek, once again, uh, very sick with his pancreatic oh, cancer. Man. So that sucks. We wish him the best. While we're talking about celebrities and medical news, yesterday we talked about the fact that it appeared as if Dog the Bounty Hunter had a heart attack when he was rushed yeah. to the hospital there in Colorado. Well, good news. When he got there to the hospital, they gave him an angiogram, and it was completely clear and normal. So they ran a bunch of other tests, and he did not have a heart attack. Really? Yeah. Doctors say they're not quite sure what it was, but they believe it could have been stress. Panic attack. And high blood pressure related. Apparently, he does battle with high blood pressure. Mm. 
So uh, yeah, I, I'm. I would guess panic attack. Yeah. I've had panic attacks that felt like I yeah. was going to die. I've had those too. So yes. maybe uh, that's what he was going under. As we mentioned yesterday, under enormous amount of stress since the passing of his wife, and with this new show, he's got a very busy schedule doing pre- publicity and stuff like that. So maybe it was just a bad bout. But he's home well and resting. So no heart yeah. attack. That's good oh, news. Also yesterday, we talked about the uh, sex tape partner to Kevin Hart, who was filing a lawsuit of $60 million. Yes, 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 yes. Interestingly enough, a uh, piece of videotape has surfaced from when the tape first saw the light of day, and Kevin Hart found out that his good friend at the time, JT Jackson, was trying to extort him for money or else he was going to release that tape. Right, as part of their overall plan. (laughs) Yes, part of their secret... (laughs) Secret overall plan. Conspiracy to fool Montia Sabag, which is her name. Um, Anyway, when that first happened, she had another attorney, Lisa Bloom, and they went and did a press conference, and she said she was working with the FBI. She wanted to hunt down the perpetrator and bring him to justice. But she also said in the interview... Kevin is a victim just like myself, and I'm not looking for one single cent from Kevin Hart, she said initially. Oh. That was then. Yes. She's now on her third lawyer, and this is interesting. Her third lawyer recently made a secret financial demand to Kevin Hart's team asking for a low six-figure amount to be quiet and go away about the sex tape. Oh my God. Kevin's lawyers rejected it and didn't offer back a penny. Then suddenly, this conspiracy theory came to light, and now they're suing for $60 million. Wow. So this is just a shakedown on steroids, basically. I mean, at some point, this should it should be a criminal act, and you should go do some jail time. You know what really bothers me? Not just that this woman is looking for a payout, and, and she has no right to expect a payout. I mean, they both were done harm. Kevin Hart yeah. was done harm. She was. I understand that she's a victim here. But being a victim doesn't necessarily translate into some sort of check at the end no, of the day. No, it's not Kevin Hart's. I mean, they were both victims of the same thing, and now she's trying to get money from another victim? So initially, she has her lawyers surreptitiously sort of sneakily ask for a, a lesser amount, six figures. They get rejected, so now they're going to throw out a crazy number out there in the hopes that maybe there'll be some settlement and they can right. get that same six figures they were looking for. <sighs> All of that, as ugly as it is, what really bothers me is what happens to women who are genuinely right. damaged either through revenge porn or somebody putting out a video without the rights? Someone who who needs to be heard and believed. What kind of doubt does this cast on their stories when women like this are just after right. a paycheck? It really cheeses right. me off. Un- unnecessary and cruel to other victims, I yeah. think. All right. End of my soapbox. <laughs> Uh, Universal Studios, NBC, they finally announced what's going to happen with their upcoming streaming service. Yet another streaming service, oh, good. Eddie. Good. Everybody's going to have a streaming another service. Another 10 bucks a month. I hope that everyone will subscribe to Ralph Plus, my new <laughs> streaming service, which is just me urinating. <laughs> it's literally a streaming service of me streaming. That's what you're going to see, and it's well worth it. 10 cents a month? That's right. Uh, the streaming service for NBC Universal is going to be called, did you find it? Did you hear what it was going to no. be called? No, what? It's going to be called Peacock. <laughs> Why would they do that? Peacock. No. no. The Peacock streaming service, <laughs> which is basically what I was just offering. The Peacock streaming service. Yeah. <laughs> well, Peacock, if you remember in the early days of NBC. Right. We were, it was the Peacock NBC. Boom, boom, boom. Right. NBC. And you know, they had that but Peacock no. was their mascot. So they said, what means NBC? 
Peacock. No, yes, it doesn't it anymore. Does. It means other things. Here's what you're going to get on Peacock should you sign up. Peacock streaming. You get all of the uh, NBC <laughs> sitcoms that you know and love. They just pulled The Office, and they're going to have that exclusively. Parks and Rec, no longer on Hulu. Also, that'll be exclusively there. Uh, 30 Rock. Bates Motel, a lot of uh, NBC Universal productions for television that weren't even necessarily on NBC. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Cheers, uh, Downton Abbey, Everybody Loves Raymond, Frasier, Friday Night Lights, House, King of Queens, Married with Children, the list goes on and on and on. But you're also getting some new content as well. You'll be happy to know they're rebooting Punky Brewster. Punky's all grown up now, and she's got a wacky little kid neighbor who reminds her of somebody... <laughs> That Punky used to know pretty well. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Um, be so bad. Saved by the Bell is getting rebooted It is not. Well. I guarantee, absolutely. I guarantee. And then lastly, this kind of cheeses me off. They are rebooting Battlestar Galactica, which was perfectly fine the first time yeah. they did it. Well, not the first, first time, the first reboot. Yeah. yeah, the first time I thought it was fun. Then they got serious with it yeah. with uh, Edward James almost, and yeah. it was uh, terrific. It with, should stay there. And now they're going to reboot it yet again, and mm. it'll be exclusively available on Peacock. <laughs> Speaking of reboots, you'll be happy to know, Eddie. Yeah. Hogan's Heroes is being rebooted. You can't. Oh, sure you, you can. You can't. Oh, sure you can. You can't reboot that show. This comes from original co-creator Al Ruddy, who, by the way, was also the producer of The Godfather. Just to let you know that not everybody has good ideas no. all the time. Uh, Hogan's Heroes, the reboot. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to steer away from all the Nazi really? stuff. Yeah. Smart. Cowards. No balls whatsoever. Have you want to reboot it? Bring back the fucking Nazis. Have some edge. Make another sitcom about <laughs> Nazis if you're so smart. If you're so fucking tough. Show me how that gets done. No, this is about the descendants of the original characters, Eddie. Okay. And they team up. I'm not making this up. They team up for a global treasure hunt. So they all have to work together side by side in order to come up with this treasure. Are some of the descendants descendants of Nazis? God, I hope so. Got to, you know what? There has to be. Your great-grandfather Clank <laughs> kept my great-grandfather LeBeau locked up during the war. Why, you crazy kid. But we're going to work together and try to find that chest of gold. This sounds dumb. It's dumb beyond belief is what it is. It's not even remotely resembles the old show. has nothing to do with Hogan's Heroes They just make it a treasure hunting show. It's just going to be a guy named Hogan, and he's got a bunch of friends. And just coincidentally, they all, all their descendants were in a prisoner of war camp together. That's dumb. Yeah, it's beyond dumb. You'll be happy to know, no network is attached currently. Yeah, I wonder why. It's not even going to be on the Peacock. They wouldn't even put that on Peacock. And lastly, did, does Tom Hiddleston, the greatest Broadway actor ever? I believe so. He is currently on Broadway in a show called Betrayal. And one member of the audience was beyond moved by his performance. This happened on the All That Chat message board, which is uh, where people go to talk about all things Broadway. And several people were talking about an evening performance of Betrayal starring Tom Hiddleston and one particular woman, a young woman in her 30s, well-dressed, said many of the contributors to that message board. When he was performing, I could feel a rhythmic banging against my armrest, he said. That's when I noticed the woman was punctuating with low moans. It got faster and faster until there was one slightly louder ah sound. Then she resumed her normal seat position, put her head back, and closed her eyes. What? People are speculating she had an orgasm while watching Tom Hiddleston wow. on stage. 
That is some acting right there. Wow. As if that wasn't enough, close to the show's climax, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, Hiddleston walked downstage and began uh, passionately kissing his co-star. That's when the woman kicked off round two, again Ooh. adjusting in her seat, grinding her buttocks against the seat, furiously pounding her armrest, once again letting out the loud ah sound, and then threw her head back and dozed off, say <laughs> other members of the audience. So apparently she had an orgasm while Tom Hiddleston was Multiple orgasms. And it, no one says she was reaching under her skirt or anything. Well, we talked so about that a couple weeks ago. That's what I was thinking. Maybe she just thought herself into an orgasm. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That's a good day at the that theater. That is a good right day at the theater. Best yeah. theater I've ever been to. All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, September 18th. Actor Robert Blake, formerly known as Beretta, of course, on television. More currently known for uh, shooting his wife dead in an Italian restaurant. Man. He is 86 years old today. Allegedly. Allegedly. He was he was acquitted of criminal charges, but he lost the civil suit. Right. Just like OJ. Not too far from where we are right, right now, yeah, that restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to go in and ask for the Robert Blake booth. And <laughs> they never thought that was funny when I did that. <laughs> Made me laugh. One of my all-time heroes, Fred Willard, also celebrating a birthday today. He's 86 years old today. How great is Fred Willard? Brilliant. One of the greats, right? Brilliant. One of the best improv minds yeah. ever. Yeah. And sketch. I mean, you know him from all the Christopher Guest movies, but even before then, he was in, uh, what was the name? The Ace Trucking Company was the name of his comedy troupe. Yeah. Amazing work. He was on a show called Fernwood Tonight with Martin Mole back in the 70s. I mean, this guy has been great as long as he's been when around. When I first moved out here at the White Fire Theater right over here on Ventura, they yeah. would, he would do a sketch show. Oh, really? And I would see him live do sketch. Oh, was, my Lord. It was awesome. That, that, I've never yeah. seen him live, yeah, but awesome. uh, that, that's a dream come true. Celebrating a birthday today is guitarist Kerry Livgren from the band Kansas. He's 70. I used to love this song when you hear Kerry Livgren's guitar kick in. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Come on. So good. So good. Actress Holly Robinson Pete from Hanging with Mr. Cooper is 55. She's married, of course, to Rodney Pete, legendary oh, USC quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. Who was a Philadelphia Eagle for a yeah, minute? Detroit well. Lions, Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. then Cowboys too. Uh, actress and talk show host Aisha Tyler is forty-nine. She's a funny lady. Actress Jada Pinkett Smith is forty-eight. Guitarist Mark Olson from the band the Jayhawks, which were uh, very popular for a minute there in the late eighties, early nineties. He's fifty-eight years old today. James Marsden from The Notebook and Ally McBeal, and also Cyclops from uh, The X-Men. Yeah, yeah. 46 years old today. Actor-comedian Billy Eichner is 41 years old. I think of him, and I start laughing. That Billy on the street thing he does where he runs through New York with a microphone yelling at people, every time makes me laugh. Actor Patrick Schwarzenegger is 26 years old today. Oh. I wonder if he's related. He's gotta be. You think maybe? Right? I don't think he just happens to have the same name. No, his his dad is Arnold. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of Schwarzeneggers running so around either. out there. And singer Joanne Catherall from Human League. 
big band in the 80s. She is 57 years old today. I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you. Just like them, doesn't it? Yeah. That's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. And we're not done with entertainment news yet. Oh, no. We're going to check in across the ocean with our pal from the UK. It's the UK Update with Steve Ashton. Oh, Ralph, the man who makes Matt Ryan look like Meg Ryan. <laughs> Ouch. You're not bringing oh. up my Eagles loss, are you? Oh, I'm sorry about that, Ralph. But Liverpool lost as well in the Champions League against Napoli. So we're both on a bit of a downer sporting week. Indeed. The Queen's in the news, Ralph. Oh, how is Her Majesty? She's all right. But Buckingham Palace aides are advising that the Queen's guests should not mention Prince Harry and Meghan Markle during their audience with her. Now, it's claimed that with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex grabbing headlines all around the world every day, many household guests are keen to discuss the young royals with the monarch. Now, apparently, courtiers are aware that the Sussexes are all anyone wants to talk about. So to nip that in the bud, they've taken to having a quiet word with guests who are visiting the Queen awaiting an audience. Now, uh, apparently, last week, journalist... Quentin Letts. And what a fucking name that is, by the way. <laughs> I don't think Quentin has ever pulled a double shift in a steel mill, has he, with a name like that? No, he hasn't. Now, he tweeted, a friend of an acquaintance was about to go riding with HMQ. That's Her Majesty the Queen. And he was given very firm advice to talk about every, anything except one subject, the Sussexes, or presumably murder by MI6 also. Um <laughs> Apparently, the Queen's been butthurt and disappointed uh, when Meghan made a last-minute dash to New York the other week to watch Serena Williams in the tennis instead of joining the Royals in Balmoral as planned. Apparently, well, you know, she's been, been a bit upset. She wouldn't want to spend time with those crusty old inbred fucks, would she? Um, ben, Meghan had better stay away from Paris tunnels. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> on the matter. Hey, Ralph, Sinead O'Connor is in the news. Now, she's claimed, this, get this for a story, she's claimed that Prince once attacked her and chased her around Malibu, and that's during an interview uh, that insist, insisted that she's been a Muslim her whole life. Hmm. He's a fucking oddball. Anyway, now she appeared on Good Morning Britain to perform her famous song, Nothing Compares to You, and afterwards discussed her conversion to Islam. Uh, reactionary right-wing melted candle Piers Morgan uh, <laughs> asked, asked her whether or not she'd ever met Prince after, of course, she enjoyed success with his song. And here's a quick clip. Yeah. Did you ever actually meet Prince? We did meet once, but we, we didn't get on very well. We tried to beat each other up. Really? We didn't get on too well. Then. You tried to beat each other up? Well, it was more he tried to beat me up and I was defending myself. But, no. Uh, Why? Uh, because Hang he... on, that doesn't sound like a joke. That sounds serious. Oh, it's not a joke, no. It's not a joke at all. It was a very frightening experience, actually. But he... Where was this? In Los Angeles, he summoned me to his house one night and um, I foolishly went alone, not knowing where I was. And he summoned me there because he was uncomfortable with the fact that I wasn't a protege of his. I had just recorded the song mm. and he was wanting me to be a protege of his. 
and he asked, he thought, well, he didn't ask, but he ordered that I don't swear. Five o'clock in the morning, we're running around in his car, I'm spitting at him, and he's trying to punch me. He's got some what? pillow that he's trying to hit me with. We're running around his car, and I'm spitting across the car at him. Then I had to go ring someone's doorbell, which my father always told me to do if I got in mm. a situation like that, you know. So. so that's a bit odd, isn't it? Now, she believes his alleged behaviour was the result of him taking some pretty dark drugs. And after all... The dark ones are the best ones, aren't they, really? <laughs> they are, yes. Better than the light ones. Anyway, so she claimed that she'd, uh, she's not converted to Islam. Get this, Ralph. She's reverted to Islam. Ah, I see. <laughs> she's saying that in Islam, you don't call it conversion. You call it reversion. And the idea is that you were born Muslim. And that's not to be confused with a Catholic church because they use perversion. <laughs> Talking of which, she was a priest for a while, wasn't she? Do you remember that? I do, yes. She wants to make her fucking mind up. Anyway, um, I'm a bit surprised by that. I mean, Prince, the little fella, he's only about four foot. He's tiny, yeah. I reckon she could have fucking taken him. Anyway, look, I've, I've got to go now, Ralph. I'm actually off to have an audience with Her Majesty the Queen. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm by audience with the Queen. I mean, I'm going to go and hang around the gates of Buckingham Palace, march up and down, and scream obscenities at her and her inbred family. <laughs> Enjoy. And speaking of British things, it is a Wednesday and it's time for One Hit Wonder. This week's One Hit Wonder happens to be a friend from the UK. It's the One Hit Wonder. One Hit Wonder. One Hit Wonders. It's a very common tale. As I mentioned last week, we're going to start focusing on folks who uh, got successful in other lines of show business or maybe just other fields in general. We're able to uh, get an album recorded, and through the grace of God, we're able to get a hit song at least that one time. And initially when I did, I said, oh, this is going to be fun, because we can make fun of all the people who are awful, who have no business singing songs. The first one, however, is the exact opposite of that. We got a call from Chad. He asked about this song, which I happen to love, and it's a pretty interesting story behind it. Here is Chad's request. Hey, Ralph, it's Chad from Northern California, Two Star. Would love to hear the story behind Tracy Ullman's one U.S. hit. Uh, they don't know. LMB. Do you know that Tracy Ullman had a hit song no, in the eighties? I didn't. She did. This it, is before her show. Yes, this was when she was only popular in the UK. Okay. No one in America had ever heard of Tracy Ullman, and then she released this single, and it was an international hit. It was this single that broke her in the United States, really? where people first started to know who she was. Fascinating story. She was a a young actress slash dancer slash singer in her teens, and she ended up being primarily a dancer. That's how she started her career. She worked in the ballet for a while. She started doing um, musical theater in the West End. Her dancing career came to an abrupt end when she said she forgot to wear underwear during one performance. (laughs) And the dance troupe that she was with actually asked her to leave. She was no longer welcome. So she started doing shows on the West End like Grease and Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then she quit entertainment. She got disillusioned and started working full-time at a paper products distribution company. Really? Yes. She was bored with her job, and she heard that they were having a contest at London's Royal Court Theater. They were doing an improv play about club acts about cabaret acts yeah. like you you would come up with an interesting character to perform on stage as if you were performing at a nightclub right and they wanted to do a play and they were looking for people to they had a contest where you brought in your original character and your original shtick that you did and maybe you could make your way into the play so she came up with a character called beverly who was a born-again christian 
Torch song singer. <laughs> and they hired her, and she was a huge success. Won the London Critics Circle Theatre Award as Most Promising New Actress. And that's when the BBC came along, and she had done two or three television series by the time she released her first album. Wow. Now, here it was. She, she did it as a lark. She was sitting in a, uh, a hairdresser's, sitting next to the wife of a record producer. And they became friendly. And she said, you know, my, my husband has a record label. Would you like to do an album? She said, yeah, that sounds like fun. Wow. And so she recorded an album of mostly um, songs, covers of songs from the 50s and 60s. But this particular song that she did called They Don't Know was uh, a song from Kirsty McCall. And Kirsty was another talented singer-songwriter. She's best known for being the wife of Steve Lillywhite, the music producer. And she sings. She's the female voice on the Pogues song, Fairy Tale of New York, that Christmas okay. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this was a song that she had recorded. Tracy Ullman did a cover of it in 1983, and it became a smash hit song. Now, she's had other... I'm going to get complaints from people in the UK saying she, she had other hits from that album in the UK as well. But this is the only international success she ever had. It was number two on the charts in the UK, number six in Belgium, number five in Canada, number one in Ireland, number eight in the Netherlands, number one in Norway, number eight here in the top ten in the United States in 1983. Here she is, Tracy Ullman. You know from the Tracy Ullman Show and Tracy... Um, Ullman Presents, right? Uh, it, what's that? Was it Tracy Ullman Presents? Is that the one is on Showtime? I think that's what it was called. Yeah, she's had several sketches. She's a brilliant sketch oh, comedian. Amazing. An amazing uh, impressionist. She can sing, she can dance, she can do it all. She's back on television, I believe, in the UK now on the BBC again doing So without show. this single, do we not have The Simpsons? More or less, is a direct line. Because right. she did a video for the single. Right. That MTV liked so much that they invited her over to be a guest VJ for a week, sight unseen, having never met her before. Right. She was charming as hell on that. And when she spent some time in the States, that's when she started making contacts. I think CBS offered her a sitcom that she said was awful, and she turned them down. Right. And then James L. Brooks, the genius behind the Mary Tyler Moore show Crazy and other shows, show, yeah. yeah, got together with her and said he was so impressed with her. He wanted to do whatever she wanted to do. And she said, I'd like to do a sketch show. And that's how the Tracy Ullman show that's on crazy, Fox was man. born. That's so crazy. We have this song to thank for it. As I mentioned, not all of these songs, these one-hit wonders from actors, are going to be awful. Certainly this one is it. I love it. It's called They Don't Know. went on to record a second album that didn't do nearly uh, as well. I didn't know that was her. Yeah. I know that, you know song. that song. I didn't know that was Tracy, Tracy Ullman. Ullman. Wow. Uh, Tracy was asked about her recording career. If you could go back in time and change anything, what would you do? And she said, I would stop making records after they don't know. She said, that yeah. was as good as it gets for me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, two albums, not much success after that, but that song certainly wow. an international success from 1983, starring the enormously talented Tracy Ullman. So there you go. She is today's One Hit Wonder. One hit wonder. One hit wonder. One hit wonders.
It's a very common tale. That's it for today. Come on back tomorrow. Thursdays around here, of course, mean Ralph Sex University. We will take an in-depth look at another part of human sexuality. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wonder how deep we're going to look. <laughs> also, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Radcliffe has a, an audio diary. Oh, he does. We, we've yes, been, uh, we've right. Apparently, we found the final the oh. final chapter of well, we that. Know how that. Well, we know how to get dry sometimes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't keep stealing those audio clips from Daniel Radcliffe's personal vault forever without getting caught. I believe Steve Ashton may have gotten caught. So we'll be featuring the final installment of that tomorrow. Also, lots of laughs and shenanigans. Maybe Eddie will sing again for oh, us. Oh, yes. Perfect. More Eddie Oki. Who knows? Anything can happen. Come on back tomorrow, won't you? Love you. Mean it. Bye. <laughs>